Eight major prophecies that will soon come to pass. World government, world religion, precursor to the mark of the beast, World War III, the Israeli-Palestinian peace agreement, the great end-time revival, an increase in LGBTQIA lifestyles, and the stage being set for the Great Tribulation, and many prophecies that surround these. And we'll analyze these events while taking your calls on this open line edition of The End Time Show. Well, welcome to the End Time Show, everybody. I'm Dave Robbins with End Time Ministries, and I want to say God bless each and every one of you. We've had some great programming this week, and I want to thank you guys for joining us and sticking with us because there's so much going on in the news right now pertaining to the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. But beyond that... There is our walk with God and our relationship with the Lord. And I talked about that a lot on Wednesday. And we're probably going to have some more programming on that as well. Because if, even if you don't understand all the nuances of every Bible prophecy, which is okay, it probably would help you a lot throughout the end time to know them. But if you don't, if you can make sure you have your relationship with the Lord right, that's most important beyond anything. And so a lot of people that contact us have a lot of questions about that. We do get, I don't know, I mean me and Doug get questions, just I don't know how many emails we get of questions about Bible prophecy. But we also have people concerned about, am I ready to meet the Lord? Uh, how, how can I have a better relationship with the Lord? How can I be a better Christian? And just those kinds of things. Because Bible prophecy is 30%, about 30% of the entire Bible. But there is another 70% that we need to talk about every once in a while, right? We've got to talk about, if we're talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ on just about every program, then we need to talk about how to prepare to meet the Lord when He returns. So, very, very important. But on today's program, uh, I, I will be taking your calls. The number to reach me, 1-877-363-8463. And I have a couple callers already. And so I, I just want to say that it's very important to us here at End Time, Vince, Doug, myself, my wife Jana, Kara, Gary, all of us, many of you know us. But our goal in this life is to help you make it to heaven. Beyond the, the, the great white throne judgment and out into eternity, every person listening to me will spend eternity in one of two places. Either in eternal bliss in a place called heaven with the Lord, or in a place called eternal fire and damnation, referred to commonly as the lake of fire. 
And I don't want anybody to go there. Anybody. I don't have any enemies or anybody. I, I don't have anybody that I would want to go there. I can't think of anybody on this earth. And so, but there will be many people that go there, and I'm, I'm doing our best. We are doing our best to try to keep people from going there. That's our goal. Why do we have such a vested interest in Israel? I don't want anybody to go. Why do we have a vested interest? Why are we trying to shed the gospel globally? Because we don't want anybody to go to hell. We want to give everybody the opportunity to hear the gospel of the kingdom of God. That's our goal. And so, with that said, I mean, if I have time later on in the program, I may have to do this Monday because, I mean, I got a lot of calls already, but uh, let's go straight to the phone and see if we can get through some of the calls because uh, we love you all and we want to help you the best we can. And we don't claim to know everything. I will tell you that up front. I can't answer every question. But the, question, the, the things that we do know and do understand and can document, then we certainly want to help you with that. So uh, we love you all and let's go straight to the phones. Mark in Illinois. God bless Mark. Welcome to End of the Age. Or I guess the end time uh, show. So <laughs> I know that you rail quite against uh, against socialism and Joe Biden and the Democratic Party. I don't see a lot of balance on the other side. Okay. I don't see much talk about unre unregulated capitalism or fascism or autocracy. That'll probably usher in socialism. Yeah. And how anybody your allegiance to um, a guy like Donald Trump and his culture of lies to me. Quite honestly, it's sickening. Okay. It is. It's not normal. Yes, sir. So I just wanted to see if you talk a little bit about fascism, unre unregulated capitalism, mm -hmm. which is destructive to this country. Yes, sir. So I, I want everybody to understand right up front, I am not a Donald Trumpite. The only reason huh. we... Yeah, so just let me explain, Mark. I am not a Donald Trumpite. The only reason we talk, my father-in-law, Irvin Baxter, and the reason I, Doug, all of us talked about Donald Trump so much is because he was a, it, it, in other words, it's, we had one of the two here. You're either going to have a Hillary Clinton or you're going to have a Donald Trump. And so we were, do I agree with everything Donald Trump, everything he does? Absolutely not. What we were talking about is things that he did pertaining to Bible prophecy. He was pulling us out of world government, which we believe the Bible prophecy says in Revelation 12 and 13. We will not be part of the world governing body, but we will pull out of that and stand with Israel all the way through the end time. So, when Donald Trump started doing that, of course we had to talk about it because things were happening that were aligning with Bible prophecy almost on a daily basis. And uh, with um, Donald Trump pulling us out of the Paris Climate Agreement and... Um, and also when he recognized Jerusalem as Israel's eternal capital and recognized the Golan Heights and he was going to help try to make a two-state solution but possibly allow Israel to annex much of the West Bank. This, these are things that are very prophetic. So we talked about them a lot. Do I agree with everything Donald Trump did? Absolutely not. So what I'm for, Mark, is I understand, I'm just putting out a new DVD, The Antichrist Socialistic Kingdom. I am against socialism and communism, and I believe Joe Biden is a globalist, so I do have to talk about that because it's biblical. However, 
with crony capitalism here in the United States, when capitalism is used uh, for somebody to monopolize something, I'm absolutely against that as well. I don't think that we should, somebody should monopolize something and try to um, rule other people's lives and, you know, just make money off of somebody else's demise. I'm not into that at all as well. However, well, so we're coming up to a break. Mark, if you'll hold over, I want to continue the conversation with you because I want you and everybody else to understand our position when it comes to socialism, capitalism, and what we believe. I'm not necessarily um, Republican or Democrat. I am for what's right and not what's wrong. That's where we're at. But we'll continue this conversation on the other side uh, because it's a great conversation. They that understand what is taking place will instruct many. Except a man is born again. He can enter or see the kingdom of God. I don't care what label you've been given or what label you've given yourself. You are essential. You still matter. This is a journey, and when we get to the other side of that, that's where our prize is. That's where our reward is. End time is not going anywhere. Satan and the elites of this world don't want you to understand the timeline leading to the second coming of Jesus. You can pinpoint where we are in the end time, understand how you fit in, and be filled with hope in God's plan by watching the future according to Bible prophecy. Go to endtime.com future or call 800-END-TIME. That's 800-363-8463. What if you could understand Bible prophecy? Dave Robbins, the host of the End of the Age television and radio programs, is holding a free prophecy conference near you. Gain peace and understanding about what the Bible says concerning end-time prophecy. Call 1-800-END-TIME or visit endtime.com slash events for more information. Welcome back, everybody, and I do want to say again, I'm taking your calls today. Today's open line. Today is your day. The number to reach me, 1-877-363-8463. And um, so look forward to your calls. Now, back to Mark. Uh, Mark, I, I, do, um, I do want to make sure that we clear up a few things here because, again, I'm not necessarily Republican or Democrat. I am for what's right and what's wrong. However, when we look at a presidential election, we had to choose between Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton. So if I look at it from a biblical perspective, and I said, I'm, I'm you know, I, I, neither one of them totally line up to the Bible. I, I totally agree. But let's say if we take some of the topics, if you just look at abortion, Donald Trump was against abortion. Hillary Clinton was pro-abortion, even to the point of 
partial birth. So when I look at something like that, I don't really see, I even have a choice. I have to vote for Donald Trump. Even though I don't agree with everything he does, he's a politician. I didn't vote for him to be my pastor. I voted for him to be the President of the United States and to protect the, this, uh, this nation. And so, um, let me ask you a question, Mark. You said something about him, about fascism. What did Donald Trump do that you would say was fascist? I believe in regulated, regulated, normal capitalism like we used to have, not like we have now. It's more like an oligarch. And when you want to point out the virtues of Trump, bring it to, forward to Biden. He's at least backing NATO. Putin, or, uh, Trump has aligned his allegiance, or I would even say his obedience, to people like Vladimir Putin mm -hmm. and President Erdogan of Turkey, mm -hmm. from a prophetic sense, is not good for America. No, not one iota. Right. So would you rather us be going to war with Russia or trying to be an ally with Russia? Or trying to, ha or, or at least, with, with well, no, I'm not, okay, not I'm, one bloody so hold on a second, no. I, I misspoke, Mark, not an ally with Russia, but at least negotiating with Russia or going to war with Russia, what would you rather do? That's, those aren't the only choices that we have. We stand up firm to evil. In my right. mind, Vladimir Putin is evil. We shouldn't be, what, what Trump does with Vladimir Putin and the Russian oligarchs is treasonous and, and wrong. From a prophetic sense, and look at Ederjan. He bows to Ederjan because he has hotels there. Guy, look what he did to the Kurds. You you ignore all the stuff of what Trump does, and it falls under the category of prophetic events. Okay. You just turn a blind eye towards it. No, I don't think I did because I was watching what Donald Trump was doing with both eyes open. Again, Mark, I don't agree with everything Donald Trump did. Believe me, I don't. Did, did you like what you saw at Helsinki? Because I sure didn't, and I would contend most of America did not. Uh, again, I don't agree with everything Donald Trump did. I just said that. My point is, is that he did many things that were prophetic. In other words, Joe Biden right now is trying to get Israel to trade land for peace in a, in a two-state solution. And Donald I Trump... I disagree 100%, and you, I've always disagreed. You, and don't, well, right, so what I'm minute, saying is... Trump would sell his mother out. What I'm saying is, Joe, Donald Trump recognized Jerusalem as Israel's capital. I supported that because that was I a biblical... Too. Okay, so Donald Trump did that, but Joe Biden didn't. Or, yeah, or, or under, the, under the Obama-Biden administration. And, and Biden's lining up behind NATO against, against the Putin and the Ukraine war. Trump's ready to sell NATO down the drain. Okay. I don't agree with that. Okay. There's well, both sides. We'll leave it at that, but okay. your blindness towards a guy like Trump and his culture of lies, yeah. I contend, is, is not good. Okay. Well, I do thank you for your opinion, and I think that uh, most people that listen to us understand our position on a Donald Trump. I'm not necessarily pro-Donald Trump. I don't care if whoever, a, a DeSantis, a, uh, a, a whoever run, I'm going to vote for the person who is, if somebody's pro-abortion and somebody's anti-abortion, to me, that's not even a question. Because the Bible is anti-abortion. And so that's the, I, I'm not, again, you have to understand, Mark, 
I am not, I don't agree with everything Donald Trump done. They're, they're politicians. They're not pastors. They're not saints. And so they are politicians. So I'm, I'm for what's right, not what's wrong. That's what my position in all of this. Again, I'll say it again. I do not agree with everything Donald Trump done. However, I know that when he recognized Jerusalem as Israel's eternal capital, I totally agree with that. Was he a fascist? In my opinion, no. Because he, uh, when you look at uh, the, the definition of fascism is a, an authoritarian and nationalistic right-wing system of government and social organization. Was he authoritarian? He was taking regulations off our businesses and our economy was flourishing. When you look at authoritarian, then you would look at somebody who's pushing ESG on our businesses, who's pushing stakeholder capitalism and pushing the LGBTQIA agendas, who's pushing on schools and all kinds of different things. Uh, ESG would be social credit score basically being put on our businesses. I'm talking about regulation, regulation, regulation. So I, I don't really see it as that. Anyway, I'm not going, I, I don't want to get in the Donald Trump, whoever else debate. Because I'm here to get people to heaven. However, the, I will tell everybody, the reason we talked about Donald Trump so much and wrote so many articles on him is because he was doing so many things that aligned up with what the Bible says is going to happen. Pulling America out of world government. Yeah, I absolutely supported that. But if he would have made an about face and started pushing us back into world government, I'd have said, uh, folks, I, that, that's not right. We don't want that here in America. So at the end of the day, I am for what's right. I really don't even consider myself a Republican or a Democrat. I'm a Christian. And again, do I agree with everything that Donald Trump did? Absolutely not. I, I don't. And so I, I want everybody to, to really know our position. I don't want there to be any gray areas here because I'm for what's right. And I know that, you know, if somebody gets into politics, they're going to deal with all kinds of stuff. And I don't even, I don't want to ever be involved in politics. But we have to talk about it because the Bible talks in many places about governments, a world government, a world religion, a lot of different things that will take place that has to do with politics. And so sometimes... Uh, we're going to talk about that, write articles about it, only if it aligns up with Bible prophecy and we see things getting closer towards the end. I'm not a Trumpite. Okay? All right. So, did that clear up any gray areas for anybody? All right, moving on. Stephen in Texas. God bless Stephen. Welcome to the End Time Show. Well, thank you, Dave, for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, that was a very interesting conversation you mm -hmm. had with that gentleman. And I thank everybody that's listened to you, Doug, and Vince for quite a while know that you are basically a Bible-believing entity and that you don't side with one candidate or the other. Yes, sir. So, Amen. anyway, my question for you today is <clears throat> I want to talk to you about John... Chapter 1, verse 18. Okay. Okay, and my understanding is that when John wrote the book, that it was in the original Greek, correct? That's correct. Okay. Well, when you go to the original Greek, 
of John 118, mm-hmm. it says that Jesus was the only begotten God. But when you read in the KID, or when you read in the King James Version or the NIV Version, it says the only begotten Son, which is God, yeah. or who is God. Yes. But why did the writers of KJV and NIV change the wording from the Greek to where it says who, uh, the only begotten God to the only begotten Son? So I, I'm not a Greek scholar, don't claim to be, and I'm not even going to, uh, yeah, I mean, so what I'm saying is, though, the King James Version is the closest version that we have to the original. It's only two steps away, two translations away from the original manuscripts. So when I go to John 1.18 in the King James Version, it says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. So I know from... and. This is where it helps to when you're trying to study a particular topic in the Bible, whether it's prophecy, salvation, uh, holiness, whatever. The document, the, 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 the imputation, I mean, whatever you're going to study, you've got to look at every verse that pertains to that topic. So when I go here and it talks about, no man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He had declared to Him, I understand who the Son is. I understand that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh. So I understand what it's saying here. That's why it's important to understand and use all the verses that pertain to a particular topic. Why they didn't translate it like that way from the original Greek. To give you a conclusive answer here, Stephen, I would have to go and look this up in Greek and study that out. And I simply have not done that. However, because I understand the overall scope of what the... Bible is trying to tell us the thesis of the Bible and how we get into the New Testament and who Jesus was, um, then I understand this verse from that perspective. And it really helps once you understand all that. If you just take one verse and go back into the Greek, and, and I, I don't know if I could answer that conclusively without doing that myself. Yes, that's, uh, you know, that's what I need. I, I do need to do some more research on it. Yeah. But uh, when you have Jewish friends, and which, like uh, Doug was saying, either yesterday or the day before, mm-hmm. that a lot of Jewish people do not read the New Testament. That's correct. Well, they point that out. They say, well, you know, and I said, no. I said, uh, Jesus is manifested in God. He is God. Yeah. And they, they, they can't get it. They think he's a prophet, okay? Yeah. Well, and I said, well, in the, I said, go to the Greek. It says, who is God? He, it says, yeah. Jesus is God. Well, the thing we have to do here, Stephen, is that when, if you just pull one verse out of the Bible and say, let's, let's dissect this, that's hard to do. Many yeah. times you have to look at the context of what the writer was saying. You have to go through sometimes the whole book. What's the writer trying to say here? Go through many chapters and say, okay, let me see the overall picture here. When you go, since we're in John 1, 1, John 1, 1 was in the, uh, it says, um, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Then in John 1, 14, and the Word was made flesh, 
dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the, as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So we know who He's talking about here. He's talking about Jesus Christ. Then when you go to John 1.18, it says, No man has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son. I know exactly who it's talking about here. So when you exactly. read the entire chapter in context, then it helps you to figure out this verse. Even if they didn't translate it a certain way here in this specific thing. And again, to give you a conclusive answer, I would want to study it all out in Greek, and you know, which, which I haven't done. But once I understand the context of what the writer's trying to say, it becomes easy for me to interpret this. Got it. Yes, sir. Um, I appreciate it. Absolutely, my friend. God bless you. And that, great question, by the way. Thank you. Uh, so let's go to Elaine in New Mexico. God bless Elaine. Welcome to the End Time Show. Hi. Hello. Um, I um, have a question about the um, red heifer. Yes. What is supposed to happen when they sacrifice it? My sister says it means um, that we're going to have a one world religion. Can you explain that? Because yeah. I'm really confused about the red heifer. Yes, I'm yes. going to go ahead and hang up and, and listen to you. Okay, well, thank you for the call, Elaine. Thank you for listening to us. And great question, by the way. It's one of the topics I had today to talk about if I didn't get any calls. <laughs> so um, when we're talking about the red heifer, what's the significance of that? Back in when God established uh, and told Moses they were out in the wilderness and you're going to build a tabernacle unto me and I'm going to institute the priesthood and everything that went along with that. You had, um, in the original tabernacle, you had the brazen altar where they would sacrifice an animal. Then you had the brazen altar. They would take the blood from that animal. And there were many, I'm just going to cover the treetops here. If I went, we'd be the rest of the program if I told you everything they did. But they took the blood from that animal. The priest would go to the brazen laver. This was in the outer court of the tabernacle. The priest would go to the brazen laver and he would wash there. The Bible says, put the brazen laver there that the priest wash lest he die. So what water was included in the plan of salvation all the way back then. Then he would go into the holy, holy place and there was the candelabra, there was the altar of incense, the table of shewbread, and then he would push through the veil to the Holy of Holies. And that's where the Ark of the Covenant was. He would sprinkle blood all over the mercy seat on top, which had the angels on the cherubim on top, and then God would come down and atone for the sins of Israel. This was the salvation plan when, during that dispensation when they were out in the wilderness. Blood, water, and a spiritual experience. And so that's God gave Moses that plan of salvation while they were out in the in the wilderness. Now, okay, so I'm, I'm coming up on a break here, you guys. So I'll, I'll continue this. Great questions, by the way. Um, and so I, I'll give you guys the answer after this because it was one of my topics. And I'll give you an update on the red heifers when we get back from the break. So thank you for bringing it up. God bless. The symbols and prophecies within the book of Revelation have perplexed Christians and unbelievers around the world. In his final work, Revelation, The Unveiling of Jesus Christ Part 2, the late Irvin Baxter unlocks the mystery of the book of Revelation with in-depth analysis and commentary like you've never heard before. These comprehensive study tools, available for $299, 
will deepen your biblical understanding. Don't miss this special offer. Call 1-800-END-TIME or go to endtime.com. Hi, I'm Judy Baxter. When Irvin and I got married, we didn't realize that our calling would be a prophetic ministry. Since we started End Time Ministries, there have been many times we weren't sure how we would pay the bills, but God has always provided. We started with the magazine, then went on radio and TV, and now we have the Jerusalem Prophecy College in Israel and online and End of the Age Plus. The mission has always been to reach people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the End Time message. Through the years, my husband would say, we will see revival like never before in the last days. We are living in the end time now. Thank you for walking this journey with us and continuing in prayer. You are a part of the team. Thank you for your generous support. It is necessary for God's purpose. The most important thing is that you are ready when the Lord comes. Our hope is to help prepare you for that day. God bless you and we love you. Welcome back, everybody. And again, the number to reach me, one 363 8463 this open line. And let me uh, finish this here, and then I'll get to the rest of the callers. And, but I do have a few lines open, so if you'd like to call in, that would be awesome. Now, the, so you had the, the tabernacle plan, where God instituted that as a plan of salvation, that God would atone for the sins of Israel. And he had to do that. You say, well, why, why, why do you even have to deal with sin? Because when Adam and Eve sinned, they disobeyed God. They ate of the fruit of the tree they were not supposed to eat from. The entire human race entered into what's called the law of sin and death. The soul that sins, it's got to die. The everybody, the Bible says, all have sinned and come short of the glory of the Lord. All of us were born in sin shaping in iniquity. Everybody on this earth that has ever lived has sinned. So, we've got a sentence of death on us. So, God in His almighty sovereignty loved all of us and did not want us to have that sentence of death on us. So, he, the Bible says He looked for an intercessor, somebody who could bridge the gap and and be a spotless lamb, a human being who had never sinned, but that would be put to death, and that's how he would break the law of sin and death. But until that could happen, and that's what happened when Jesus Christ came, he came, he, he was God manifest in the flesh, he never sinned, but yet he was put to death. He tricked Satan into killing him. When Satan killed him, it looked like the worst defeat the world has ever known, but it was actually the greatest victory this world's ever known. And so that's what happened at Calvary. Jesus Christ pulled anybody who would be born again out from under the law of sin and death, and which is, we could go into a whole different uh, sermon on that. But until Jesus Christ could come, a spotless human being, there, God instituted stopgap measures of salvation until he, Jesus Christ could come. So he, when, they, when He pulled him out of Egyptian bondage, there was the Passover situation where they put blood on the doorpost and they ate the lamb and everything, and that's what got them out of. There was, uh, and then they went through the Red Sea, and then they 
followed a pillar of uh, cloud by day, a pillar of fire by night. So there was blood, water, spirit involved in that plan of salvation. Then we went to the tabernacle plan of salvation when they came out of Egyptian bondage out into the wilderness. And there was blood, water, and spirit involved in that plan of salvation. And then, of course, the temple and the tabernacle plan and then blood, water, and spirit is involved in a plan of salvation today. However, in order for a priest, this is in, um, man, Numbers 19. In order for a priest to be able to administer in the temple, or the, I'm sorry, the tabernacle plan, there had to be a purification sacrifice. And that was done with a red heifer. So I'll read Numbers 19, just 1 through 5, okay? And give you an update on what's going on. The Bible says, Now the Lord said unto Moses and Aaron, saying, This is the ordinance of the law which the Lord has commanded, saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring you a red heifer without blemish, in which there is no defect, and on which the yoke has never come. Ye shall give it to Eliezer the priest, that he may take it outside the camp, and it shall be slaughtered before him, and um, its offal shall be burned for the water of purification. It is for purifying from sin. So it is they, anybody who had come in contact with a dead body, whether they walked through a graveyard, whether they'd been in a hospital, anything, they'd been in a house where somebody had died, they had to go through a purification sacrifice. This is what was done with the red heifer. And then it was for the, uh, for, um, for, the, for the purifying of sin initially, but every year after that, they, when they started uh, the um, sin offerings in the tabernacle and the temple plans, those did not have to be red heifers. Those could be the cows or whatever, but the red heifer was for the initial purification sacrifice. So now that we're, when um, you had the first tabernacle plan, then you had Solomon built the first temple, uh, Zerubbabel and all those guys came back out of Babylonian bondage, captivity, and they built the second temple, and then that was destroyed in 70 AD. Well, Israel has always looked for another temple to be rebuilt, the, the center of Jewish life, the, tap, the uh, temple. Well, when, they, when God brought them out of the Holocaust and from around the world back into uh, the Promised Land in, 19, in 1948, or actually they started coming back before that, but that was when they declared their uh, independence, uh, May 14, 1948. God brought them back together. They thought, well, hey, here we are. We're in the land and we're going to get to build the third temple. But the Jordanians controlled that land from the 1949 uh, War of Independence. And so they, in 1967, when the uh, several armies invaded Israel and Israel drove them back across the Jordan Valley, the Jordanians, and took back the Temple Mount in 1967 in the Six Days War, they got the Temple Mount in their hands. And they, they thought, well, this is it. God, we're going to have a temple. But they, they needed a red heifer. So since 1948, Israel has looked for a red heifer. They've been have ranches. They did all kinds of things looking for this red heifer because they knew if they built a third temple, they had to have a red heifer for, your, for the purification sacrifice before they could go into the rituals of the temple. 
not a million red heifers, but one. All you need is the one initial. So, what happened is that since 1948, they've tried to get one. They, they had a special ranch design where they were trying to crossbreed. There were people, even here in the United States years ago, there was a guy named Clyde Lott in Mississippi, a lot of different people trying to get a red heifer. They had, they had some that were, have been born, but when it got up to maybe eight, nine, ten months, a year, year and a month, then it developed even one white hair, one black hair disqualified. So, they, what happened was, a couple years ago, a, a friend of mine named Byron Stinson, we have become great friends. I'm going to try to have him on our program here in the next uh, few weeks if we can work it out. But I had a partner of ours that said, hey, Dave, they, some guys think they have a red heifer. Would you like to go see it over here in Carrollton, Texas? And I said, what do you mean, would I? Are you kidding me? When are they going to do it? So I went over there, talked to Byron. I met Byron. I met the, talked to the rabbis via Skype, and, or I should say Zoom now, Skype's. Uh, old technology, but um, I talked to the talked to them, and I was asking them many questions. I saw a red heifer that was a pure red heifer. Well, about a month or two later, Byron contacted me and said, "Hey, we found 21 of them here in Texas," and I'm giving you the treetop version again because I don't have time to go through all of it. But um, they found 21 red heifers. I went down to a, a, a farm, a ranch down here in just south of Rockwall, Texas. I got pictures of the 21. Listen to me, folks completely val, uh, viable red heifers. They checked, oh, the rabbis were here, checked all of them, 21. They've been trying for years to get one. Well, the Israeli government would only allow them to bring five, so they chose the five most healthy red heifers and they shipped them over there to Israel last year. Now they are, I had an article here from CBN News, I'm not going to take time to go through it, but uh, you can go read it. The article title is called Prophetic Anticipation Builds Unblemished red heifers for the temple ceremony are soon to come of age. Right now, they're about, they've got to be into the third year. Right now, they're about, they're approaching two years, roughly in there. So, what they're hoping to do, they are, the heifers are now in a secure, undisclosed location. The plans are to include moving them sometime soon to a visitor center in Shiloh, in ancient Shiloh, where the tabernacle of the Lord stood for about 400 years. And they, what they're trying to do, i seen a place here where they're trying to have... Okay, so Byron Stinson, my friend, he said that, um, one, of that one of the red heifers has now been disqualified. It grew some white and, white and black hairs. So they disqualified that. They still have four of them that are very viable. All they need is one. So he said what, the, what they're trying to do, that it's very likely that the ceremony to do this, they already have the property on the Mount of Olives, to, sac to sacrifice the animal. He said the ceremony, uh, they believe, would happen somewhere in the area of Passover 2024, um, out to the possibility of Shavuot 2024, somewhere in that timeline that the cows would be old enough and that it would be the proper timeline for that ceremony. Now, again, they have four, all they need is one. So that's the whole, that's the, again, the treetop version. I've got a lot of calls i got to get to, but... That's a treetop version of the red heifer. I'll keep you up to date on it. A great friend of mine, uh, Byron Stinson, is over the project. He's the one that found the red heifers here in Texas and got them to Israel. And so it's a big, big deal because they will need this red heifer purification sacrifice 
to begin the daily sacrifices once the third temple is built, which we know is going to happen prophetically. Okay? So, that's the significance of the red heifer. There are updates today. Again, if you want to read the entire article, it's from CBN News. The prophetic anticipation builds unblemished red heifers for the temple ceremony are soon to come of age. Go check it out. God bless you and thank you for the call. Okay, let's go to my good friend Joe in New York. God bless Joe. Welcome to the End Time Show. God bless you, my brother. How are you doing today? I am doing tremendous. How are you doing, my friend? I'm still breathing, man. <laughs> Amen. I heard that. Listen, I'm going to make a very brief comment okay. about Donald Trump. Yes, sir. Because a lot of people get very emotional about this particular person. But my dad knew his dad very well. I knew the family. They don't know, they don't know Donald Trump's heart. He's a pretty crude guy. But when you compare him to Joe Biden, Joe Biden in his gut is evil. I watched a recent interview, him talking about mutilating young children and sending drag queens into five-year-olds to teach them about sex. This man is nuts, Joe Biden. I'm praying against him so much you can't believe it. So when push cuts comes to shove, you have to look at the individual, but people get very emotional. But you got to look at the big picture, number one. And most believers, you know, they talk about, they're talking about the translations also of the Bible. You got to, you got to step back and listen to Holy Spirit. Why did the Lord Jesus himself tell us he was going to send the Holy Spirit? What does the Holy Spirit do? He leads us to know all truth. And I'm not a republic anymore. I'm not a Democrat. I, I don't care about parties. I go by Holy Spirit. I know the scriptures. 45 years of reading the scriptures, I've learned to listen to Holy Spirit and listen to the big picture and yes, try to understand what Spirit is telling me about a person's heart. Yes, sir. So that's enough that I can say about the thing. And yes. the people talking about you know, I see, I got a lot of time to see people talking about the translations of the Bible. It's good to study more than one translation. And I'll tell you why. Because human beings are not perfect. So we went, if we look back when the King James Version was written and the Old English, those were, those were men. I don't know how well they, they studied the Greek and the Hebrew and the Aramaic, but for me... I study over the years. I, right now, I think I've got seven translations, and it's good to understand a little bit. I'm not a scholar, but I right. look and I listen to people that, that, that go back and study the Greek and, and the Hebrew. Yes. The thing of it is, is Holy Spirit is going gonna, is gonna to connect with you what, what, what the Lord wants each, each one of us to know. Amen, my friend. Well, I'm, I do thank you for your time, Joe. I'm coming up on a break. I want to say thank you, my friend. God bless you. Thank you for your comments. I've been part of the End Time family from the beginning over 30 years ago when my parents, Irvin and Judy Baxter, began ministry from the recliner in our living room. My name is Jana Robbins. I have the pleasure of connecting with our incredible partners every day. End Time is a small nonprofit that runs a high traffic website, a daily TV and radio show, the Prophecy College in Jerusalem, and more. Although we have less than 30 team members, we are able to serve tens of millions of people each month. 
We survive on the goodness of God and donations averaging about $50. If everyone hearing this message gave $22, our financial needs would be met for the year. If you only give to one cause per month, please consider partnering with End Time to help get the message of our soon coming King out to the world. Call us at 1-800-END-TIME to give today or go to endtime.com to become a monthly or one-time partner. Okay, well, welcome back, everybody. Man, I got a lot of calls we're going to have to get to, so we're going to get right back to it. Thank you guys very much. Let's go to Jennifer in Texas. God bless Jennifer. Welcome to the End Time Show. Thank you. God bless you as well. Thank you. Um, I, I had a very interesting thing that I want to discuss with you, and it has to do with the end times with world order, the yes. new world order. Yes. Um, you know, I'll try to condense it because it's kind of complex, so I'm going to condense it. Um, she has come out in the last day or so mm -hmm. um, saying that he wants us to, uh, that China wants to be um, this new world order. And he actually said, he vowed for the first time, I'm reading the article, but um, to, that, they, that China should lead the new world order yes. and safeguarding international security. Yes. And as we've all talked in the past, and I've been looking and read the Bible, but, you know, that we're, we consider the EU and the UN and yes. the WEF, all of those yes. are giant players in the idea mm -hmm. of new world order. And Putin went and spoke at the WEF and has been participant in it, mm -hmm. but his actions in Ukraine seem to be anti-New World Order or anti-that New World yes. Order, yes. because he's kind of carrying apart NATO and, and Europe yes. and, and handicapping them. So China comes out and says they want to do this two guides, uh, New World Order, they've named it the two guides, and referring to a New World Order and international security. And so I thought, I, you know, I'm going along, I'm watching the Europeans, everything's falling into, yeah, New World Order and what they want to do and change how we live and our culture and what we eat and what we believe and, you know, take away our freedoms, all yes. of that good stuff, not good. But now I'm like, what is this? Because it kind of throws a, a wrench in the, in the works of understanding it. So yeah. what's going on with this China and Russia partnership that seems to be against the European New World Order? Yes. So the China-Russia-Iran axis is trying to formulate their version of a new world order, fighting mm -hmm. against the existing world order. That's what's happening right now. That's what, China's, that's what President Xi is talking about of China. However, all I can do is tell you what the Bible prophecy says is going to happen. And that is in Revelation 13. The Bible says this world-governing body will be made up of European nations. The Bible says it has the body of the leopard, Germany, the feet of the bear, Russia, the mouth of the lion, Great Britain, the ten horns of the ten horn kingdom, symbolic of the current European Union or the reborn Holy Roman Empire. China is not mentioned there. China is actually not mentioned unless she's the 200 million men army that come against, um, that is involved in World War III. Other than that, China is not mentioned in the prophecies of the Bible. Even when it, so when it talks about the world governing body in Revelation 13, 1 and 2, all of those are European nations. Even Russia, west of the Ural Mountains, is considered European Russia. And then east mm -hmm. is considered Asian. So I, 
Can I explain every nuance of what is going through? Because China has been talking about the New World Order for years now. But they are, and I understand how Russia and China are kind of saddling up to each other. But the thing is, is that when it all boils down to it, the Bible tells us who the major players are going to be in this end-time world government. China is not mentioned there. When the Bible says the dragon gives it its seat, power, and great authority, that is Satan. Revelation 12, 9 and Revelation 20, verses 1 and 2. So Satan is the principal driver behind a European-led one world governing body. It is not going to be China, Russia, Iran uh, in ruling the end time world government. That's, that's not how it's going to play out because the power base of the Antichrist is going to be Europe. I know that because Daniel 7, the Bible says, up among the ten horns, which are ten European nations, one, ho one horn will uproot three horns, become great, have a mouth speaking great things, he'll make war against the saints, so that's the Antichrist. He comes up among the European Union. So what happens to China in the near future? I, I can only speculate, but I can tell you from an, this would be an educated speculation. How's that? Would be that the China would be mainly wiped out in this future world war. And mm -hmm. that uh, we would, we, the, the powers would swing from the United States over to Europe and that they would be the power base of the Antichrist and at the helm of this world governing body. Again, because in Revelation 13, 1 and 2, every nation is a European nation that is leading that world governing body. And so I, I know that's what the Bible says is going to happen. H how will the Russia, China, Iran, Turkey alliance, this thing they're trying to build, how will that all shake out? I, I, can't, I don't know the answer to that specifically, but I do know what the Bible says the world governing body is going to look like in the end time. I know Russia is going to be a part of that because they're the one that leads the charge. Ezekiel uh -huh. 38, Gog and Magog, they're the one that leads the charge of the world governing armies to come down against Israel to battle at the Battle of Armageddon. So I know Russia's involved, and, but China's not mentioned at all. Uh -huh. uh, unless, again, it's the army that fields a 200 million men army that comes, that is, participates in World War III. It looks like and I, I mean, I have friends in China. I know missionaries in China. So I don't want it to happen, but I'm just right. saying China, the ideology of Xi Jinping does not line up with the ideology of even the liberal international order, the, the, the other new world order that has been established really for decades now. His ideologies don't line up with that. And so I don't think he's, they're ever going to play ball fully. That's why they're trying mm -hmm. to come against the existing... What they're seeing now is because of the weakness of the United States, they see that mm -hmm. New World Order kind of faltering. And they say, well, hey, we're going to come up. We want to take our place on the world stage. But I don't, mm -hmm. think, I don't think the United States and Europe is going to allow that to happen. And, um, that, and I, I believe World War III is coming, and that's going to be a reset in the world. Right. And that way, on the heels of that, the nations that are left, most of them, not all of them, but most of them, will fully yield up their sovereignty to this world governing body. That's how the Bible says it's all going to play out. And so um, that's what we're going to have to go with, Jennifer. But not the U.S., right? We're, you still think no. we're yeah. going to so, make it? Yeah, the U.S. So in, again, the, when you look at Daniel 7, the eagle's wings are mentioned there, the United States. They're not mentioned on the world governing body in Revelation 13. Jump back one chapter to Revelation 12, 14, and the Bible uh -huh. says the woman... 
Israel is carried away on the wings of a great eagle where she is nursed in her place for time, times, and half a time. So the United States, it, from Scripture, it looks like we will stand against the world government and stand with Israel all the way to the end. Now, I know that that looks like, no, nah, that's not going to happen now. We're going to be all wrapped up in this world government. To me, either God will make a complete separation. I don't know how damaged we will be in World War III. I don't know if the United States completely is segregated between conservative and liberal world government globalists that want to move off fully into that and the liberal side stands with Israel. I don't know how that's all going to play out, but I do not believe scripturally that we're going to be fully engaged in the world governing body in the end time. Somehow we have to be powerful enough to stand against that world government with Israel all the way to the end. The Bible says that she's carried away on the wings of a great eagle where she is nursed in her place for time, times, and half a time. That's during the three and one half years of great tribulation. And so that's something that we have to, we have to I, I can take that to the bank. That's, that's Bible. And I know once we move into Bible prophecy, the eagle's wings is concerning the United States of America. The Bible says that these beasts symbolize nations. And so that's where we're at. The United States will, by and large, stand against the world governing body. That's why it has always been our opinion that the, that the mark of the beast would not be fully implemented here because we're not fully engaged in the world governing body. And you know that there are many governors now... I think um, I just read today that Ron DeSantis has teamed up with 18 other governors to, to um, keep ESG metrics measures from being implemented in their states. Because Joe Biden, you know, they, he's, he's all pushing ESG and stakeholder capitalism, which is soft sell socialism here in the United States. Mm -hmm. And uh, Ron DeSantis and uh, Christy Nome of Dakota and all the different places, they are pushing against that because they, that would be crippling to our businesses if that was fully implemented. And so there are people that are resisting this world government even though we have a globalist in the White House. And again, I don't want to get into politics. I don't want to go back down that road today. But that's really what we're seeing pan out here in these end times. Excellent. Thank you so much, Dave. I right. really appreciate your time. All right. God bless you, Jennifer, and thank you for the call, my friend. Let's go quickly to uh, T, uh, TJ in Florida. God bless TJ. Welcome to the End Time Show. Hi. How are you? How you doing? I am I'm tremendous. Okay. Let me get my... Yeah, all of a sudden my volume has gone way down. Let me see if I can get it back up. Okay. No. Anyway, um, to save time, I am calling... Uh, I, I decided to uh, like look at a little bit of the, the ancient map. And, you know, I learned something interesting that Ukraine and Poland, you know, we'll say at the time scripture was written, that the prophecies were written mm -hmm. around that time, the Ukraine and Poland were part of the ancient, what is it, Magog? I don't know who's who. It's, right. Yeah. It's ancient Russia. So just like, you know, Iran and Iraq or Persia, you know? Right. And um, it just kept nudging me, particularly when I saw that uh, when Zelensky came to the United States and he was speaking to Congress, it was almost like he was commanding them around. So my big question mark is, could the Ukraine actually be the bear? Right. So if you, the, um, 
When, John, when Daniel gives a prophecy in Daniel chapter 7, he says that there's a major nation that will be on the earth at the time when the Ancient of Days comes back to establish his kingdom here on the earth. We know that that modern day nation of the bear is Russia today in 2023. Right. What it was back then is not really what Daniel was referring to, what he's talking about today. A, na a modern day nation in 20, you know, whenever the Lord gets ready to yeah, come back, I, I, yeah. that's when the nation would be prominent. So I don't see Ukraine filling that role at this point. It's going to be Russia. When you look at, um, the Bible says also in Ezekiel 38 and 39, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, both of them, Meshach, the, the root word for Moscow, Moscovy, and, and the Tubal River that ran through Russia. So all of the clues point to Russia and not a, 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 a Russia-Ukraine combined situation. Yeah, I get you. I'm just thinking like, you know, Russia, the, yeah, yeah. that... You know, the Ukraine can, anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing, the <laughs> other thing uh, two things, have you heard of Old Glory Bank? If you haven't, all I'm going to say is please look it up, oldglorybank.com. Okay. They are a bank that, um, in Oklahoma, a prior governor, I think she's prior governor, decided that they needed a bank that would not do like the banks did during the trucker uh, crisis, you know, at the Canadian border. Yeah. Um, so that they won't, you know, they won't shut down people based on their beliefs. Anyway, oldglorybank.com if you want to look at it. Okay. Um, and the other thing, I often wonder about, you know, in Revelation, I'm an end of the age plus, and I've been doing a lot of study of Revelation long, long, sure. for a long time, decades. I, I, I've, and, got uh, about, I've got about 30 seconds, TJ. Okay. I'm wondering if there's actually, you know, because it, there's not going to be a temple or anything like that, you know, to see the tabernacles. It's probably, you know, when Jesus returns, there's not going to be animal sacrifices during that feast, I would think. Yeah, no. So the, the animal sacrifices will be resumed when they build the third temple and they are going to, they're going to have sacrifices for a while until the Antichrist stops those sacrifices. At the time Jesus comes, there will be sacrifices in the millennium but there will be not be sacrifices for the atonement for sin. There's a big difference. God bless.